Father, once again, <clears throat> we just thank you once again, Father, this morning, the 35th day, Lord, that you're given to us as your people. Father, minister to us this morning. Minister to us your word. Lord, it's not the Logos which brings us life, it's the Rima word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every Rima word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Father, this morning let your word become life. For you and you alone have the words of life. And therefore, this morning I pray, Lord, that you would grant me the grace to reduce, to disappear. And Lord, that you would, Lord, take forth this word and, Lord, make it life. Whatever is of your spirit and from your heart and from your throne room, let it stand and every other word, let it fall to the ground. Father, let there be clarity and let there be unction. And Lord, let the, let the word go, with, go forth with authority. Anoint all of us and give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say in this last hour of time. We thank you, we praise you, for in Jesus' name, Amen. So this morning, once again, we go back to the word. Um, Yesterday we looked at the fact, the, the reason why God redeems us is to make us into worshippers. Uh, that, that we will truly be a people who will just not uh, enjoy his worship, that to enjoy prostrating in his presence and worshipping him in spirit, but we will also be a people who will serve him. With gladness of heart. So he truly redeems us. Meaning he redeems us and he frees us to worship him. And frees us to serve him. Both are uh, the results of redemption and of salvation. Uh, both are a result of entering into God's rest. Okay, When you enter into God's rest you worship him. And when, to, when you enter into God's rest you cease from your works. And you begin to do his work in your life. That is the whole purpose of salvation, of redemption. Yesterday we looked at um, the life of Moses, I mean the encounter with Mo, of Moses with Pharaoh. And we saw the, uh, the, the heart of Pharaoh, the ruler of this world, his mind, his defiance. His defiance against every uh, God-ordained leadership and that he doesn't care. That's what he says. Who is the Lord? That, and who is this God that I should obey his voice? That's the defiant spirit. And that's the spirit of this age. That's the spirit of disobedience. That we were all once sons of disobedience. The spirit that was working in all of us was a spirit of disobedience. And therefore, this morning, even as we uh, continue to study his word, let's ask God that we will truly become obedient people. Obedient from our heart. That's the reason why it says in Romans chapter 6 verse 17, he says, Thanks be to God that though you were once slaves of sin, you became obedient from where? 
from your heart. You obeyed from your heart. It was just not um, um, compulsory obedience, not out, out of compulsion. Okay, it was willing, and you began to serve him uh, willingly. And we also looked at one of the most important uh, aspects of at least yesterday's study was the fact that we all suffer from the taskmaster spirit. The the way we can break uh, f- break forth or bre- break out from uh, from the bondage of sin is by breaking the the spirit of taskmaster over our life. That we will be willing to forgive others freely from our heart. And we also looked at the fact that um, things become worse hmm, before they become better. And God allows that to happen to show that we tri- that we still want to look good in the eyes of Pharaoh. We still want to look good in the eyes of his servants. Okay, we still like that. And uh, and and God has to bring us to the point where we are desperate for our deliverance. Okay. Uh, and he's also preparing Moses, by the way. Um, you need to understand the ministry is not easy. Um, it's a stubborn spirit, the spirit of this age. And it takes um, a perseverance, a lot of perseverance, endurance. And that's the reason why we, we keep on exhorting people saying that he who endures till the end will be saved. There is, we need perseverance. Okay, that's the reason why it says in uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10, you you need perseverance, if you can turn there with me. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10, if I'm right. Yeah, uh, 6, 10 and 11. For God, uh, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love. Okay. Uh, yes, uh, which you have shown toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and to minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. You hold on until the end. Okay, so don't give up. We'll come to that this morning. Okay, so don't we, we don't give up. And this morning we'll be starting from uh, Exodus chapter 6. But before we go there, just want to uh, put everything into perspective for continuity's sake. Right? We looked at um, uh, God who um, calls us to enter into his rest. A three-day journey from labor to rest. And to Truly be rested in him is one of the most difficult things. And that's exactly what we looked at last night. If you look at Elijah, a man who was at rest, okay, right? He was resting in God. And of course, he was doing the work of God, right? And uh, God was working in him. We know the word Elijah. You know what it means, right? Yahweh is my God. At least two things it means. That he is the Lord my God, okay. I have a personal relationship with him. That's what it means, okay. I know him <laughs> and he knows me. Exactly. That is that is the reason why it says before the Lord God of Israel before whom I stand. So we, he knows, he knows me and I know him. That's what Galatians says in Galatians chapter 4 verse 8 and 9. Look at what it says. You can see that. Alright. But then indeed when you did not know God, you serve those which were by nature not gods. Okay, it's a remarkable word. When you don't know God, you serve. See, read that. If you do not know God, you serve gods. 
keep that keep that in your mind keep that we'll come back to that today okay if you do not know god you serve gods all right let's read that let's move on but now that after you have known god or rather are known by god okay how is it that you turn again to those weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage to be truly free is to be known know, to know god and to be known by god and that's the reason why you know paul has this incredible audacity to say my god ah shall supply your need it's amazing it's like he is like the truly elijah uh, the spiritual elijah in the new covenant okay so that's the reason why when we when we when we see elijah we see a man who's totally addressed totally fully devoted to god and when you see this a man who's truly fully devoted to him we also understood that the word of god what comes to him isn't it interesting okay the word of god comes to him every other person will say the lord your god okay even the widow will say the lord your god but elijah is very sure the lord my god so he has a personal relationship with him okay that's how i see the quintessential characteristic of an elijah generation is that the quintessential like i'm not so very important is that the word of the lord comes to him okay that elijah the word of the lord came to him john the baptist also came in the spirit and the power of elijah what about him turn with me to luke's gospel chapter 3 was 1 to 2 1 and 2 yeah look at what it says now in the 15th year of the reign of tiberius caesar Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea Herod being tetrarch of Galilee his brother Philip tetrarch of Ituria and the region of uh, Trachonitis Lysanias tetrarch of Abilene Annas and Caiaphas were high priests and then the word of lord word of god came to John you see in the wilderness you see the same Elijah to whom the word of god came the one who comes in the spirit and the power of elijah the word of god comes to him as well and the last day is elijah okay which will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children you know what what will happen to them also the word of the lord will come okay so understand that something which i thought was was very significant and then the second thing is that he or she has a personal relationship with god what kind of a relationship elia is my Okay, sorry. Yahweh is my God. Okay, who? What does the word Yahweh mean? Yahweh means a God who is a covenant-keeping God, right? He's a God who keeps covenant. All right. It's a, a, what is a covenant? I'll show you what a covenant-keeping God means. Um, his name is Lord or Yahweh. If you turn with me to Exodus chapter thirty-four. was 5 to 7 we know this very well but he declares what yahweh means now the lord descended in the cloud and stood with him and he proclaimed the name of the lord the name of the lord the word lord which is in caps is actually yehovah jehovah or yehovah and if you look at uh, all your uh, telugu bible or hindi bible every other indian bible will say the will render lord as jehovah or yehovah hmm? and the and yehova or jehova or lord passed before him and proclaimed 
Yehovah, the Yehovah God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, okay, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. You'll see what you have there is the language of love, right? And you see, by no no means clearing the guilty, okay, that means he will punish the guilty. What punishes the guilty? In, in the, in the, in the, in, in our country, for, for example, the judge or which, which is also, which is called the, which starts with an L, law, yeah. So, there is a language of love and there is a language of law, okay. So, in a, when he says Yahweh, it has got two parts. It's got the language of love where he forgives, extends pardon, etc. He shows mercy. And on the other hand, he also has the language of law. Both, it's a mixture, (coughs) if you will, of love and law. That is what a covenant is. Okay. That is the reason why he uses this personal pronoun called my God. And he also calls us God calls us his people or my, you will be my people and I will be your God. It's a personal relationship. No, there's one man of God. I don't want to mention his name. I'm saying man of God so that oh, it's not me who said this, who made this definition. He says this, something very interesting. The covenant is a relationship more loving and intimate than merely a re- legal relationship. A covenant is a relationship which is more Loving and more intimate than a legal relationship. In a legal relationship or what we call as a contract. Like for example, when you are working for a company, you are on a contract. Okay, or if you are a contract worker. As long as you fulfill the terms of the contract, the company pays you. And and the company also says, okay, we also will provide you this, this, this and this. So if we break our conditions of the contract, you are freed from being our employee or whatever it is. So both of you have to... Uh, agree to a set of rules and regulations in order to fulfill the terms of the contract. It's a contract. It's a legal relationship. Okay. But he says a covenant is more intimate and more loving than a merely legal relationship. And then he says it is more binding and more enduring and more accountable than merely a personal relationship. It has got a mixture of both law and love. For example, the closest to that kind of a relationship is a relationship within a husband and a wife. It is no, it is not a contract. Okay, it is a covenant. So, what happens in a covenantal relationship? You are telling the other person. Two people agree, saying, "I will keep the conditions of this relationship, even if you break them." And the other person also says, I will keep the conditions of this relationship even if you sometimes or come short of it. So if both people agree and are willingly surrendering themselves and making themselves vulnerable to one another and saying, I am in this no matter what, that is the reason why we say richness or in poverty, in sickness, in health, in Every situation till death do us part, I'm there with you. That is a covenant. 
and both of you will make it to one another. So you are saying, I am in this for good or for bad, <laughs> not just only for good. That is what a covenantal relationship is. Uh, if one guide or one party or one of the one of the uh, parties of this covenant does not do it, it doesn't become a covenant anymore. It becomes abuse. Okay. So, so how does God relate? He says, of all the families of the world, I knew only you. Amos chapter 3 verse 1, 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. Look at what it says. <laughs> Super. <laughs> Amos chapter 3 verses 1, 2 and 3. Hear this word. The Lord has spoken against your children of Israel. Against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt saying, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will visit you for your iniquities. And we, start, we looked at that in one of our first studies, right? You only have I known meaning what? I came into a covenantal relationship with you. That is the reason why he says to in Jeremiah, Return to me, O you backsliding Israel, for I am married to you. Okay. Married to you. So, okay, now what has happened? He ultimately gives them a certificate of divorce because not because uh, he was not interested in them. They were not inter- interested in them anymore. So if you want to look at it, God is a divorcee. <laughs> so he understands what it what it means to be divorced. It's a traumatic thing, okay? Okay, so he, 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 he is a... So it's a covenantal relationship, yeah? That brings us to Exodus chapter 6 today. <laughs> and before we go to Exodus chapter 6 verse 1, let us go to Exodus chapter 5 verse 22, the last verse of chapter 5, and then we will jump into Exodus chapter 6. All that background. I mean, see, the word of God is one eternal continuum. What is it? Continuum. Okay. So, just because, you, you might say, what is pastor teaching in the in the night and what is the connection? It is continuity. There is no break. Okay. It's absolute continuity. It's one whole package. Okay. There are no independent shoots. <laughs> All are interconnected to one another. Okay. It's a whole one whole continuum. Okay. So Exodus chapter 5 verse 22. So Moses returned to the Lord. After this, you know, this is, this is what the children of Israel say. Oh, let the Lord be judged between you. You brought us all problems. This is exactly what people will do. Okay, they will never take responsibility for their own actions. They will blame the preacher. That's exactly what Moses happened. Moses uh, experienced a small taste of what he's going to continuously experience for the rest of his life. From the children of Israel. Okay, So it's a small taste. God is saying this is a taste of the worst to come. Okay, <laughs> So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it that you sent me? Immediately he begins to doubt his calling. Okay. For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, neither have you delivered your people at all. So, okay, so God has to do something before he does this and therefore comes into, uh, we come to Exodus chapter 6 verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, okay, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, <laughs> what? He will let them go. That means he will relinquish all rights over your life. And in in fact, he will say, with a strong hand, he will drive them out of this land. It's amazing. That's exactly what Jesus does, right? When Jesus comes into the synagogue, all the demons tremble. Get out. Out, out, out. No legal cover for you at all. 
You have come, the moment I have come out, out of this place. Okay, and here in this case, of course, he will say, he will drive you out. Okay, he will drive you out and he will let you go. That means he will, what he said, relinquish all rights over your lives because I'm going to do something powerful. Let's move on. Then the God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. Okay, I appear to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob as a God Almighty. This is interesting. <laughs> when God appeared to Abraham, he he said, I am the Lord Almighty. What does it say? I am El Shaddai. Walk thou before me and be thou blameless. When the Lord appeared to Jacob, it says in uh, in uh, in Genesis chapter 35, I am the Lord Almighty who appeared to you when, at, when you were at Bethel. Go back to Bethel. Okay. And similarly, uh, to all the patriarchs, he appears to them as God Almighty or El Shaddai. And then he says, I appear to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, what? Lord, I was not known to them. This is strange. You'll see the word Lord appearing so many times in the book of Genesis. It does not mean that the Lord, when it says, I did not appear to them as Lord, it does not mean, uh, what does it mean? Okay, what does it mean? It means something very interesting. So look at, look at, let us see what is, what, what is happening over here to understand the entire significance of that name. Okay. I also have established my covenant with them. As I said, Lord is a covenantal name, right? The word Lord. To give them the land of Canaan. The land of their pilgrimage in which, what? They were strangers, isn't it? That's interesting, isn't it? See, it's like old covenant, new covenant. It's a type, okay? It's only a type. Not literally, I'm still only a type, okay? In the old covenant, the life of Christ was... They don't, they didn't know it because the Holy Spirit was not inside of them. In the new covenant, okay, it says, I will send you a helper. He will be with you and he will be in you. And he says, I am going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not as the old covenant, which I made with those forefathers, which covenant they broke, but I will put my law in their hearts and in their minds and I will start writing the law not on tables of stone but on the tables of heart not with ink but with the spirit not of the letter so what is he going to do he is going to literally make us enjoy what the life of Christ that was a stranger to them in the old covenant the life of Christ is completely stranger they only were looking at a land okay they were only given a law and they could never keep the law because it, it because the spirit was not indwelling inside of them. They were not born again of the spirit. So the old covenant people is a type over here. For them, the life of Christ, life of Christ is what? Strange. Okay. They only knew God as what? God Almighty. Powerful God. Signs and wonders and miracles and all that stuff. But as a God, through whose life you can live out? No. That was strange. Okay. So, understand. He says, I, yes, I'm, I made a covenant with them. I made a covenant that I will give them this land. In other words, I made a covenant with them 
that you will begin to enjoy the life of Christ. That means you will go and possess the promised land. They were strangers in the promised land, but you will no longer be strangers. You will become the possessors of the promised land. You will enjoy, in other words, in the new covenant sense, what? The life of Christ. Which was only as something strange to the people in the old covenant, but for you and me, it will become life. The promises of God will become yes and amen in Christ Jesus and will begin to enjoy. That is the reason why it says in 2 Peter chapter 1, His divine power has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. Okay. By whom we have received exceedingly great and precious promises so that we may be made partakers of his divine nature having escaped the corruption which is in the world through sinful desires or lusts. So what happens? What were the promises which were only external to them now will become internal to us. You know why? Because I made a covenant with Abraham. I only made a covenant with Abraham but they were still strangers. They couldn't enjoy it. But I am going to make you enjoy That's the covenant he's going to make right, right now with them. What was the covenant that he made with Abraham? Remember? You go to Genesis chapter 15. Very interesting, no? Genesis chapter 15. You'll see a beautiful uh, uh, picture of that. Genesis chapter 15. And uh, verse 7 onwards. Actually, verse 6, uh, Abraham believed in God and he was counted to me as righteousness. So we don't have to run there, but let's read from, okay. And he believed in God. Abraham believed in the Lord and he was, he accounted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the earth of the Chaldeans to give you the land to inherit it. But did he inherit even a single piece of land? No. He was a stranger and a pilgrim in this land. He only dwelt in tents. He went length and breadth of all the land and he claimed the land for his next generation. He only knew God Almighty, uh, the Lord as God Almighty or El Shaddai, but he did not know him as the Lord, as a covenant keeping Lord, but even though the covenant was made with him. So, so he said, he, and he said, the Lord said, uh, sorry, uh, the Lord said, I'm going to give you this land. And Abraham said, Lord, Lord God, how shall I know that I will Inherited. Then he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. Okay. And he brought all these to him and he cut into two down the middle and placed each piece outside the other, opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds into two. So what is happening? He is making what we call as he's cutting a covenant in the old covenant in the old testament days. If people were, were to make a covenant, what they would do, they would bring animals, they would divide them into two, and both the parties would walk in between those two animals, saying that if any one of us breaks this covenant, what became of, of these animals, let it become to us. Okay. That's what it means. So, now Abraham is, when God called Abraham and said, okay, fine, bring these turtle doves, immediately Abraham knew. Okay. And he cut the two people, uh, the, the animals into two, and he was waiting for God to come, basically. Hmm? Because it says in uh, Acts chapter 7, the Lord of glory appeared to our father Abraham in the era of the Chaldeans. So I think he, he knows when the Lord of glory appeared to him. He was waiting for the Lord of glory to again appear to him again. Now, so that both of them can make what? A covenant with one another. 
So, but in, Abraham is in for a shock. You know that shock, right? What is the shock? Let's see. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. What does vultures signify? Unclean birds. What is unclean birds? All demonic spirits which try to come and thwart the covenant in our lives. Covenant that God made in our lives to steal the covenant from our lives. And Abraham, it's, a, it's just a picture. So many connotations over there. I'm not going to go to the details of it. Let's go to verse 12. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on. Abraham, and behold, horror and great darkness fell on him. Why was horror? There was a deep sleep and there was also horror. He was thinking now, okay, the Lord said he's going to make a covenant. Maybe he's also going to make me <laughs> pass through this. Can I keep the conditions of this covenant? He also knew. It was not possible for him to do it in his own strength. So what does God do? He puts him to deep sleep. Then he said to Abraham, know certainly that your descendant will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, that is Egypt. And will serve them and they will afflict them for how many years? For 400 years. Why? Also, and also the nation whom I will serve, of whom they serve, I'll, I will judge. Afterward they shall come out and with great, with great positions. Now as far as you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass, when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch. This is a lot of glory. That passed between the two pieces. Okay. Did Abraham pass? No. Next verse. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying, To you and to your descendants, I will give this land from the river Egypt to the great river Euphrates, the uh, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenites, etc. So he makes a covenant. The Lord makes a covenant. But who is the one who is actually making the covenant? God himself. He is not even allowing Abraham to make it. It's a picture of Christ. Okay. Christ is called the mediator of the new covenant. Okay. He didn't, al- he didn't allow us to pass through those cut pieces. But he was cut. He was crushed. He was wounded for our transgressions, etc. It's a picture of Christ. Okay. And what does it mean? Because he made a covenant with Abraham, or rather, in our, in, in our, in our settings, because we have, in, we are now the recipients of the new covenant. Now what we do is, we don't serve God uh, in fear. We serve God out of Love, because he made a covenant with us. We'll come to that in, in, uh, we'll understand that in much more deeper way even now. So let's go back to Exodus chapter 6. And verse, uh, 2 onwards, yeah. Verse 2. And the Lord spoke to Moses and said, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, Lord, I have not known, I have not been known to them. And then, I, I did not make myself known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of the Canaan, of, of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And then he says, I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage and have remembered the covenant. So now is the time I'm going to bring you out of this bondage 
and I'm going to take you in to the life of Christ. That's a picture. That's a picture here, okay? It's a picture, it's a type. Okay? We're not going to literally talk about the Abrahamic covenant because it's got, it's also has got a physical significance, but we are talking about it in new covenant terms, a type of the covenant that Abraham made with, God made with Abraham was a type of Christ where he himself was slaughtered. Okay. He didn't allow Abraham to go through the, uh, go through the, the pieces. He put him into deep sleep and he made a covenant with them. And similarly, God did not allow us to get punished for our sin. He took the punishment for our sin and he says, you know what? You believe in the work of my son on the cross and you will also can enter into the new covenant and that life will become yours by faith. Okay? It's a picture. The point here though is, before we go to the covenant and the, and the, and the, um, and the implications of it for us, what it means to be, to, for God to remember the covenant, what are the aspects of the covenant, we will first look at verse 5. Okay. Let us just look at verse 5. And I've also heard the groaning of the children of Israel. That's remarkable, isn't it? That's a powerful thing. What does it, what does it mean for God to hear? Okay. It's something I was thinking about. I also heard. You know, so many times we kind of say this, no, Lord, you are God, you don't understand what we go through, what we humans <laughs> go through. That is the reason why God is just not God who saves. He's also God who is what? Emmanuel, <laughs> who is God with us. You know, most of the time we say, Lord, you are so far. God says, no. Psalm 34 verse 18. See, these are some things which you have to accept by faith. Look at what it says. 34 verse 18. The Lord is not far, but near. <laughs> Those who are of a broken heart. 2323 23 of what? Jeremiah. Easy to remember. Okay. Jeremiah 2323. 23. Am I God? Who's only far off, but not near? Psalm 145 verse 18. This is awesome. Okay. And I'll give you another one. Mm. Though 145, 145, 135, 145 verse 18. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. And this is... The, the icing on the cake, okay? And several icings will come now. Psalm 75 verse 1. Look at what Psalm 75 verse 1 will say. In NKJV, it's powerful. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your wondrous works. Declare that your name is near. Oh my goodness. That your name is near. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 7. Yes. Look at what it says. For what great nation is there? <laughs> what are we called? We are called a holy nation, right? We are called a chosen generation or holy nation, etc. For what great nation is there that has got what? So near to it. 
as the Lord our God is to us for whatever reason we may call upon him. So this is all, oh, I have to show you all old covenant promises and you will say what does God near mean? I will show you what it means in the new covenant terms. Turn with me to Hebrews hmm. chapter 4 verse 14. Seeing onwards, okay, seeing that you, that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession and verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in, okay, let's just underline that word all in your Bible, whoever is reading in your, in your, in your, uh, in your Bibles, no, all points. Tempted. Why? Think about every area. Was he tempted with money? Oh yeah, he was. Was he tempted with power to use his power? We cannot even understand his temptations, first of all. Okay. He was God who could call legion of angels. Command legion of angels, just like that. For him to make himself of no reputation. That was something which is remarkable. No, I, 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 there was a, there was a very old movie which was made by, in Telugu industry, okay. Um, so this guy is in love with this girl. Okay. So, but he doesn't want to, he doesn't express this love to her. Because he wants to test whether his love is true or not. So he goes to the mountains and he does tapasya. Okay, like our old pilk, all sages, no? He goes to the mountains and he does tapasya and when he does tapasya, uh, the God appears to him. It's only a story, only a story, not doctrine, okay? Only a story. Okay, only a story. I'm just give you, trying to give you an example. The Lord appears to him and he says, um, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm impressed by your tapasya. What is your, what is your korika? Korika means what is your desire? What should I, what kind of, what, what do you want from me? He says, um, I want this, girl whom I love, to feel that I love her unconditionally. I want to know what is unconditional love. Okay. So, he says, okay, granted. Your wish is granted. But one thing I can tell you. She can feel your love, but I can't make her love you. Okay. She can feel. So, I'm giving you the powers to demonstrate how much you love her, but you cannot change her heart to love you. He says, okay, fine. So he now goes and that girl somehow gets into some kind of a trouble. So he goes, he uses his powers and he brings that girl out of every trouble. But that girl always keeps doubting. Why? Because in her life, she had all kinds of abusive relationships. Her father was a person who abused her mother. She had, she has a very, 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 what do you say, a, uh, a, a completely wrong understanding of of men because of the kind of men that she had in her life. So she would not trust him. No matter how much he tries to prove that he loves her with all the powers that he has, he cannot make her love him. And one day, uh, she says, "You are a, you are you are trying to you you are you are a person who is doing magic tricks." No, no, he says, no, 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 it is not magic tricks I'm doing. He says, I'm doing it because it is the power of my love. That is what you're experiencing. No, 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 it's all magic tricks. And you know what he does? He says, okay, fine, because you th- say these are all magic tricks, I have relinquished all my powers. I have 
relinquished all my powers. So from now on, he cannot even exercise his powers to show that he loves her. But he knows that somebody is plotting to kill her. Every time somebody was plotting to kill her, he would go and show his powers that that thing, only with that girl it would work. No, not with anybody else. Okay. Now this girl, somebody was trying to plot to kill him and kill the girl. So this guy comes, rescues the girl and in the process gets wounded really bad. Okay. And this girl escapes. But she doesn't know that this was a person who made him, who saved her. And he is in the hospital now because he has relinquished all his powers. And finally, okay, okay, somebody comes and tells her, you know this man whom you have, he tried to prove his love to you so much, but you always shouted down upon him. You doubted him. You called him all kinds of names. It is because of him. It is because of him that you are alive today. And then she breaks down. And the story was, the moral of the story is, only when you are ready to give your life to others, that is when people will experience how much you love them. That is the reason why it says in 1 John chapter 3 verse 16, greater love has no man than this, that one should lay down his life for his friends. And that's exactly how Jesus wins our love by relinquishing his rights. It's all, see, no story is apart from the Bible. Okay. If there is no Bible, there is no art. Honestly. We all know this. It's a powerful story. The story is this guy gives up his rights and his powers. That's exactly, it's, it's messianic, right? What, is, what does God say? What, what does it say in Philippians chapter 2? He says, even though he was equal to God, he did not consider equality of God something to be grasped. That means he gave up all his rights. And he made himself of robe reputation. He took upon himself the form of a bond servant. And he humbled himself. And he suffered and became obedient unto death, even to the death on the cross. And then, therefore, God gave him, what? A name which is higher than every other name. That, was a, that, is, that is exactly how God sympathizes with us. He says, you know what? I was tempted in every area. I gave up my powers so that I could be tested and be tempted in Every area of my life, of of what you're going through. That is the reason why he is not a God who is far off. He is a God who is near. That is exactly the reason why the word comfort, you know what the word comfort means? The person who comes alongside of you and he stands next to you. Paul tells in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You know what it, which verse I'm talking about, right? Verse 3 onwards. Beautiful verse. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of... It is just not comfort. All comfort, meaning whatever situation you are going through, He can come alongside of you and say, you know what, I know, I understand, I can empathize what you are going through. That is what all comfort means. You name the situation, I was there. You name the sickness, I was there. You name the tension, I was there. You name the BP level, I was there. Lot of people come, what is not tension in my life. BP level is shooting up. How, what do you understand? You, you know what kind of a BP he went through. The doctor is here. He will, he will tell you. He was, he, that kind of a BP, but he was, he was literally sweating drops of what? Blood. 
I don't know what kind of a blood pressure he had experienced that time. Sufficient to kill him. <laughs> God of all comfort. Verse 4. Who comforts us? Ah, it's just not our tribulation in all our tribulation. That means every trial that you may be able to comfort those who are in any troubles. Okay, so for so that you can some kind of a trouble. I'm not going to give you all those experiences that I have, but you'll be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which you are, you that we ourselves have been comforted by God. That is the reason why He's called Paracletos. You know who's called Paracletos? Holy Spirit is called Paracletos, the helper, the comforter, the one who comes alongside and fortifies us and puts a wall of fire around us. That is what he called comforter. That's what he says in John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 16 onwards, right? And I will pray the Father that he will give you another helper or comforter or advocate that he may be with you. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but he will know that you will know him, for he dwells with you and he will be in you. And the next verse, 18, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. You see that? What about, women will say, huh, okay God, all pains, okay, but what about labor pains? Isn't that unique only for men? For Sorry, for women. You know what God says? That also. How do I know it? Isaiah chapter 66. <laughs> I understand even labor pains. Even my apostle Paul also understood what labor pain was. Okay. Verse 7 onwards. 66, 7 onwards. Before she went into labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. No, what is he talking about? Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? But was Israel not born at once? In one day did he not bring it out? Out of bondage? One day. He birthed a nation. He gave birth to a nation. So he understands what labor is. He gave birth to a church. So he understands what, what labor is. That is the reason why he says in Hebrews chapter 2, I and the children that God has given me. Who who said that? He's, Isaiah said it in Isaiah chapter 8. He says, I and the children that God has given me. He was talking about his prophetess. But who actually brought forth the children? Jesus himself. He, he went through labor too. He was tempted in all points, says Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. And yet without sin. Yet without sin. So he's a God who hears your groanings. So he's a God who is not just not the one who hears. He is, he hears and he's near also. <laughs> he nears you. Okay. He's not a God who is far off. So this morning, for all those who are going through, say, I cannot, you cannot imagine what kind of trauma I'm going through. He understands. I don't understand, but God understands. He empathizes and sympathizes with your weakness. Alright, let's go back to Exodus chapter 6 now. Yeah. So, and I have also heard the groaning of the children, verse 5, of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. What are, what are the Egyptians doing? They are keeping them in bondage. That's exactly what the taskmasters do. It's a whip of the taskmaster. Okay. 
Even after you are saved also, sometimes you keep those memories are, are still there, fresh in your mind, right? Okay. It's like this, no? I'll give you an example once later on. Later on, I'll give you an example. But let us, let us see this. So, I have heard the groaning of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians have keep, uh, keep in bondage and I have remembered my covenant. So, what are the terms of the covenant? Look at the next verse. Therefore, say to the children of Israel. Okay, let's read these two verses. Actually, verses uh, 6 to, sorry, to 8, till verse 8, okay. Therefore, say, say to the children of Israel, how does it start? I am the Lord. Okay, just put that I am the Lord in your mind first. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm with great judgments. I will take you as my people. I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to to give to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. I will give it to you as an inheritance. Again. I am the Lord. So you have between I am the Lord and I am the Lord. Okay, seal on them, basically. If seal over here, seal over here. Beach ke be, uh, between those two seals, we have the covenant. So how many conditions are there in the covenant? How many parts are there in the covenant? What? How many co- parts? Seven. Okay. Okay, fine. Fantastic. Absolutely seven. No question about that. Seven parts. So let us see what those seven parts are. First, Go back to verse uh, 6. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. The burden of sin. The pricking of your conscience. The piercing of the goats of your conscience. Constant conscience also always pricking you, right? The heaviness of your conscience. I remember uh, Charan when we were doing Pilgrim's Progress, right? I used to tell Charan, no, I, I used to put the the, the bag on his uh, on his shoulder, and uh, he was he would be reading the Bible, okay? And then he was he, the, Christian is reading the Bible, Christian is ri- reading the Bible and keeps on reading the Bible. He keeps understanding the law, and when he keeps understanding the law, the burden only keeps increasing. And then then Charan cries out, no, who can save me from this burden? Who can take my burden away? And then comes the evangelist. (laughs) Immediately. Okay. And then you remember, he goes through that wicked gate and he goes on to that path called salvation. And then when he looks at the cross, he doesn't have to do anything. It's interesting that the, the, every time you have a, a character called the evangelist coming into the picture, he does not take the burden out from his shoulder. He says, the only way the burden can go is when you go to the cross. The work of every man of God, and especially if he is an evangelist, is not to lighten the burden, to, but to point to the cross. Let the burden be as heavy as it can be. But he has to feel the prickings of the conscience, I mean, of the of the goats against his conscience. The conscience has to prick him. So that you can look upon him whom, what? You have pierced. The prickings of your conscience was upon him. The guilt was taken away by him. 
Turn with me to Acts chapter 9 verses 4 to 5 and Acts chapter 26 verses 13 to 14. First, 9, 4 to 5. Then he fell on the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? (laughs) And he said, who are you, Lord? Then he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against those goats. You know the word goats comes from the same word to sting. Okay. The st- one, first Corinthians chapter 15 verse 56. The same word goat. Okay. Is, is, it appears there. Hmm? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. The sting of death is sin. You know that you are under a penalty of death. You know it. And it's constantly that you are under tremendous... Everything okay? So, this... the constant probing of the of the law. The more you read the Bible, that's exactly what happened to Martin Luther. How did the Reformation take place? This guy would read the Bible. Every day he would go to the confession chamber. And he would unburden himself to the priest. Okay. Unburden, 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 unburden. He would say... Sir, I committed this, I committed that, I committed this, I committed that. And the priest would get so upset and he said, Martin Luther, please go and do something first. Before you come and confess all these stupid small, small things. His conscience was so sensitive. He would come and say, you know, I had this very bad thought, sir. Okay. He would exasperate the the priest in the confession box. And after he would unburden himself, he would feel, okay, fine, now I have unburdened my conscience. And he would walk down the, down, down the aisle and before he would reach the room, his, he would have thought some evil thought and immediately is under the guilt of sin again. And then he started reading the Bible. He said, he comes to the point in Romans chapter 3 verse 28 which says, a man is justified by faith. Alone, he adds actually. It is one place where he adds, apart from the works of the law. And then his eyes open up and he understands, I cannot act, I cannot uh, work out my salvation. I will constantly keep being pricked. I will be, I will literally die under the weight of sin. Unless and until by faith, I accept Jesus that he took away the burdens. That is the reason why at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, all the burdens of my heart were rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I am happy all the way. Alas, that's what it says, right? Alas, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's an expression. Alas, and did my Savior bleed? And did my sovereign die? Would he devote his sacred head for such a worm as I? Was it for crimes that I have done? Christ groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. Well, not my, well, might the sun in darkness hide and shut its glories in? When Christ, the mighty maker, died for the man, uh, for man, the creature's sin. Drops of grief can never repay the depth of love I owe. Here, my Lord, I give myself away. This all I can do at the cross, at the cross. 
when I first saw the light. It was at the cross. That is the reason why it says in Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10. Look at what it says. Beautiful verse. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. No? And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem. The spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look upon him whom they pierce. The piercing of your conscience. The guilt. It was. It is true. The burden of your conscience. It is true. You know something? Some people may not have the law. It says in Romans chapter 2. They not having the law, they are a law unto themselves for they show the requirements of the law written on their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, their conflicting thoughts either accusing them or excusing them on that day when God according to my gospel will judge the secrets of men by that man Christ Jesus. They all know that nobody even can live up to the levels and the requirements of his own conscience. Conscience pricking and pricking and pricking. It's piercing you. Take the spear and put it that side. <laughs> he was pierced. You will see. When Literally, when the grace of God falls upon you, you know what happens? You will look upon him whom you have pierced. That is the reason why John's Gospel chapter 20, sorry, 19, John's Gospel chapter 19, verses 36 onwards, if you will, 35 onwards. 35 onwards. And he who was Seen has testified, this is John, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. For these things were done, that the scripture should be fulfilled, not one of his bones shall be broken. And then, and again, another scripture which says, they shall look upon him whom they have pierced. The piercings of your conscience was taken by Jesus on the cross. My dear brothers, for those who are still thinking that you should earn your salvation by your works, and you're constantly under the burden of sin. Come, look unto him. Look unto him, whom you have pierced. Otherwise, you know what will happen? If you don't accept him now? Revelation chapter 1 verse 7. <laughs> Behold, hmm, who's coming? He is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him. Even though, even they who? pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Okay. Just put it on him. It's so simple as that. But the problem is, our pride will never allow us to, <laughs> to come to terms with it, right? It was that, That's exactly the reason why I believe, I believe after Stephen died, conscience of Paul was pricking like crazy. And he became overzealous now. Okay, you know what he said? Okay, I'll, I'll not only finish off these fellows over here, I will go to Damascus and I will go take, give me orders, give me the, give me the backing of the state and I will go everywhere and I will finish off all these Christians. And I will silence the voice of my conscience. <laughs> right on the way to Damascus, God says, Paul, <laughs> it is hard for you to kick against the goats. Just lay it down. Let me take your burden away. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. We know it very well. We come, keep coming to the gospel again. See, what else we have apart from the good news? That's the only news that we can preach every day. Right? Come to me, all you are, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, etc. We'll come to that later on. So, I will bring you out. Turn to 
Exodus chapter uh, 6 and verse 6. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, from the prickings and from the stinging rib. What is that? Uh, slashes of the taskmasters. I'm telling you. Law is also a taskmaster. <laughs> it says it's, it was a tutor to bring us to Christ. Okay. To bring us to Christ. And when we look at Christ, crack. All the burdens of the, of your heart will go away. And you know what God gives you? He gives you a certificate. Christian gives, gets a certificate. Okay. Let's, let's come to that later on. Second, I will rescue f- Second, he says, I will not only, I will not only bring you out from the burdens of the Egyptians, I will snatch you out from their bondage. I will not only just pay the penalty of your, of your sin, but I'm gonna give you the grace to overcome the power or the bondage of sin. See, um, it's a, it's a testimony of a, of a couple who adopted a child. Okay, uh, from the streets. The child, the, the 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 parents had a normal child, and also they adopted another child. Okay, this child was kind of a teenager, or I mean, is this growing? It's he was not a very young baby. He was he was adopted as a as a as a I think maybe around ten or twelve years old. So what would happen was uh, this family. Um, brought them to, um, brought that kid to himself. And uh, the entire family used to look at him when he was on the, uh, on the, on the table, on the dining table. First initial days, okay. When the food was served, he would start eating very fast. Okay. And uh, the parents would look at him, the brother would look at him strangely. Why is he doing that? He used to eat very fast, very fast, very fast. And uh, he would look here, he would look there, he would look them in their eyes and he would start eating. Okay. And uh, what, is, what is wrong with this guy? And then uh, when, the, when the father would say, hey, don't do that. Try to discipline him, or, uh, discipline him or try to you know admonish him or exhort him. He would get scared. And then he would come to his mother in the t- in the in the in the kitchen and he would say, uh, you would not even call her mother, you would call her madam, uh, would you not give me food today? And uh, mother was really surprised, what is wrong with this kid? Then they went back, they tried to understand the psychology and they went to a psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist gave a very interesting, this is, a, it's a, so some, it's a, it's a article which I read on the internet, but I just want to give you an example over here, okay? The psychiatrist says, you know, this kid, when he was growing up in this foster home, he would often be starved. Okay? <laughs> so, whenever they would get the food, they would just start eating as if, because, or get as much as possible, because they would not know when the next meal would come. The next meal is not guaranteed. They said, oh, that is the reason why this guy, when he is at the table, he starts eating as if there is no tomorrow. Okay. And then when somebody, and those days, when the guys were punished, 
they would say, you know what? I'm going to punish you. The way there is to punish him is by not giving him food. Now this guy, he's been rescued from that home and he's been brought into a new home environment. But that is his reality. But that old thought process are still not gone. He still cannot trust these people. So whenever he would be, he would get disciplined. He would, he would shrink, or he would, he would, he would become so afraid and say, "Oh, maybe they're not going to give him food or things like that." Then slowly, the parents said, "Hey, hey, 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 hang on. You know this kid. You're just like him. He's our kid. He would just like him." We are not going to take the food from your table. Okay. Then we discipline you. We are treating you as a son. And not as a pariah. And so over a period of time. By constantly loving and loving and loving and loving and loving. Then he came to understand that these people are serious. I don't have to act and behave like a guy who was there in this foster home. They have fully accepted me as a son. You see, we are also like that. We are also adopted children. That is the reason why it says, we have been given the spirit of what? Of adoption. We have not received the spirit of bondage, which leaves us to fear, and therefore to slavery, but a spirit of adoption, by which we call out, Abba, Father. But we still haven't experienced him as Father because we still have this old nature which brings us back to fear. Okay. And God says, I'm just not only going to pay the penalty for your sin, I'm going to rescue from that spirit of slavery too. Okay. <laughs> you see, this is, when I when I heard that, uh, that, uh, that, uh, I read that article. I said, isn't it true for every believer? See, until and unless we have experienced God as Father, we'll be always like this. Okay. Until and unless we have like, accepted God as Father, we'll be hoarding resources. Because we don't know when these resources will go off. We'll be just like the Gentiles. He says, that is the reason why he says, don't seek after those things because your father knows you need all these, all these things. Don't hoard them. Okay. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. No, think about it, Sami. What do you think, Sami? If God, do you think it's a difficult thing for God to give you one crore? No! Quotrupalina by the Vishwa. If he thinks that he has to give you, he will give you. That is the reason why I keep telling my, my, I mean, my wife and I keep having this discussion because it's very difficult for us to be practicing this. Never tell your children we can't afford it. We tell our children we don't need it. If God wants to give it, he will give it. Never. That is the reason why we hold. Why do we hold resources? Because we are afraid. Will the next paycheck come? <laughs> oh, is God punishing me? Oh, is he going to starve me? Will I lose my job? Fear. Okay, see, fear is a killer. Okay, fear of losing. Fear of failing. 
That is the reason why why, we, why don't we attempt things for God is because we are afraid of failure. What if I stumble? What if I fall? What if I lose myself and make fools of us all? <laughs> okay. Will this walk continue? If this walk becomes a crawl, what if I stumble? What if I fall? Said DC Doc. See that. The spirit of bondage, my dear brothers. We are still bound. We are like, we have the Lazarus attitude. In John's Gospel, 11 times 4? 44. 11, 44. Okay? John 11, 44. Easy to remember. Okay? 11, 22. Consider the goodness and the severity of God. 11, 44. John. Look at what it's, what happens. And he who had died came out what? Bound hand and foot with what? Grave clothes and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, lose him and let him go. That's what snatching from the house of bondage means. Okay. That's what God endeavors to do to us every Sabbath. When we come to the house of God to listen to his word. So that we can truly enter into his rest. That we don't have to fear. We are his children. Even if he admonishes us. You know why he admonishes us? Because we are his children. We have we really, in these days, even as we seek the seek the scriptures and seek to find God in the scriptures, ask God, Lord, let me experience your fatherhood. Okay, it says, turn with me to John's Gospel, please. John's Gospel chapter, sorry, not John's Gospel, Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Excuse me. Yeah, chapter 4 of Galatians, verse 4 to 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might what? Receive the adoption of sins. That is only the first part. Okay, when we accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior, we have been positionally redeemed and we have received the adoption of sons. And then verse 6. And because your sons, God sent forth his spirit of his son into your hearts and we require what? Abba Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son of God or a son. And if a son, then heir of God through Christ. You are an heir. Understand this. That is the reason why we need the spirit. That is the reason why it's called the earnest of our inheritance. <laughs> the earnest of our inheritance. Tilgulo. Atmane It's a beautiful word. Hmm. Earnest of our inheritance. Luke's Gospel chapter 13. Verse 10 onwards. Look at what it says. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues. Now by the way, underline teaching in your Bible. Okay. He was teaching. I always keep coming to this point. Okay. He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could no way raise herself up. And then you know what happens? Look at what next verse. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman! You are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God and one nutcase will come immediately. But the ruler of the synagogue 
answered with indignation because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, six days on which men ought to work. Wow! Therefore come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath. What connection is that? And that's the reason why the devil hates it. Okay. What, what does he hate? Teaching. <laughs> Understand that. Okay. He hates the teaching. The doctrine. And the Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? And then, so ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has born, think, think, he says, think of it. Think of it. For 18 years, he knows it. In the previous verse, we'll say, long time. Jesus knows precisely how much time. Be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. And then, and when he had said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame and the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. You see, that's what he does. He loses us from the from those thoughts that keep us, try to keep us in bondage. So, first thing, I will bring you out from the burdens of the Egyptians, the burden and the goads and the prickings of the conscience. Second, I will rescue you from the, from their bondage. Okay, fantastic. Caged people, no? Have you seen caged animals? The caged, I mean, if you go to Nehru Zoological Park, you'll see one caged animal called the, I think it's a leopard. You should see how it moves left and right, to and fro, to and fro, to and fro, to and fro, caged. That's what Babylon is. It's a cage for every unclean bird, it says. And the whole world is caged in this Babylon, Babylonian system. And they're not rescued. You can see that, in fact. Revelation chapter 18 verse 2. And he cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon is the greatest fallen, is fallen, has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit and what? A cage for un- every unclean and hated bird. It's a cage. And you see that people who are literally caged, we have seen it, right? With our own eyes, haven't we? <laughs> Last year was a incredible learning experience for all of us to see what it means to be caged. Two and fro, 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 two and fro. That's what caged, caged animals do. Have you seen? You go to the Nehru Zoological Park, you'll see how they're, they're caged two and fro because they cannot break forth. They don't know the truth that God has forgiven them. They're still from, they go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. They're not truly set free in their minds. When you see the leopard in Zoological Park, <laughs> learn a spiritual lesson. It's a parable. <laughs> Come out of this system. It's only there to cage you. So, first two. What is that? I will bring you out. I will rescue you. Third. Let's go back. I will redeem you. With outstretched arm and with great judgments. Okay. Atlante Bahubali is what we saw. The ultimate Bahubali is God. Okay. Now, if you read the Telugu Bible, it says, Na bahu, bahu 
నా బాహుబలముతో నేను రక్షించాను సో ఐ వాస్ థింకింగ్ దీస్ ఫలోస్ ఐ కాపీ ఎవరింగ్ ఫ్రమ్ ద బైబుల్ నాన్ సెన్స్ సి అల్టిమేట్ బాహుబలి ఇస్ నాట్ టు రెస్క్యూ యూ ఫ్రమ్ ద టెరనీ ఆఫ్ అన్ అర్త్లీ కింగ్ ది అల్టిమేట్ పవర్ ఇస్ టు రెస్క్యూ యూ ఫ్రమ్ ద టెరనీ ఆఫ్ ద స్పిరిచువల్ కింగ్ హూస్ ట్రైన్ టు కీప్ యూ ఇన్ బాండెజ్ no weapon on earth can destroy that king you could you think about the most uh, most uh, uh, powerful nuclear weapon can it can it just move certain one inch it will make him happy actually you'll kill each other basically that is the reason why it says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through god to the pulling down of strongholds we and that is what he says that is the reason why he says you need not normal strength you need spiritual strength therefore when he was crucified he was crucified in weakness <laughs> but you know what it says the weakness of god come on my dear brothers is stronger than the strength of man the weakness of god was stronger than every power of hell that is the reason why we sing that song no power of hell nor scheme of man can ever pluck me from his from uh, me from his hand till he returns or takes me home what a song that is one modern song which really 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 uh, you know speaks to our heart we speak scripture burden he rescues and redeems us what did he do he redeemed us with an outstretched arm and with what judgments great judgments so you see nor of course we we are talking about physically how egypt was rescued children of israel were brought out of egypt but what was the greatest judgment that god accomplished the greatest judgment that god accomplished was on the cross the greatest redemption price that he paid was the price of the blood of his son that's exactly the reason why first peter chapter 1 will say you have not redeemed you have not been redeemed by perishable things like silver and gold but by the imperishable the precious blood of jesus christ as a lamb without spot or blemish you are redeemed you are bought with a price first corinthians chapter 6 verse 20 will say you are bought with a price you he owns you how did he by, by he he bought us by with an outstretched arm right totally right he has every justification to kill us but he doesn't do it but he lets us go you know what that is that is power that's what shilla tells amon you know what he says to amon you have every justification to kill them but you let them go zas is power it's power outstretched he took it upon himself no turn with me to john's gospel chapter 19 go there and we'll read from verse 28 before we go there no um i think i think four years back four or five years back okay four i think 2015 if i'm right yeah 2015 whereabouts i still live in a place here called in lothkunta i don't know if you know it not very far from here and i would drive to university okay 20 km 25 km okay either i would take a bus or i would go by go on a bike one day i was driving um came to vikrampuri almost vikram vikrampuri and thus i saw a 
bumper sticker, not a bumper sticker. You see those stickers on the on the back, uh, what do you call, rear view, right? No, no, rear rear window, rear window, no? the rear window. On the back rear window, there was a there was a sticker, Tetelus Thai. I was I looked at that and I said Tetelus Thai, and I have never seen anybody put a bumper sticker like that. It says Jesus saves. Uh, my my God is a carpet uh, is a Jewish carpenter. Uh, all those things, no, the blood of Jesus saves. No him, no God, no peace, no God, no peace. All those things, no. But this one is absolutely tetelest I written huge tetelest I. Then I said, boy, I need to stop by this fellow because he's obviously he's a believer, right? I went to went past him and I stopped and I looked at him and I said, um, I said believer. He said, yeah, yeah, I'm a believer. I said, I told him, bro, I've never seen anybody put a bumper sticker like this in my entire life. He looked at me and he said, yeah, tetelest tie, isn't it interesting? He said, yeah, absolutely. I'm so thankful that you put it. And he looked at me and he said, huh, okay, so which church do you go to? I said, I go to Grace Tabernacle Church. Oh, Pastor James! I said, immediately, immediately, he got out of his, got out of his car, and then we hugged each other. He was listening to the sermons online. I don't even know him. Okay. And somebody directed him to, I think it was Samir or somebody who directed him to our church website, and he was listening to all the sermons, and he would, he looked at him and he said, Pastor James! I said, yeah, Pastor James, and he said, oh, we got to meet for lunch, bro, sometimes, and then we went out for dinner. Okay, all that to drive home this point, okay? <laughs> Let's see, from John's Gospel, chapter 19 now, verse 28 onwards. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. Now, a vessel full of sour vinegar was, was sitting there. I don't want to get into the details of all this. There's so many theological, uh, what do you say, um, connotations to it and interpretations and understandings. All are fantastic, great men of God. I am not so great, so I am only going to uh, study as much as I know. According to the faith, you should prophesy. Okay. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it in, put it on hyssop and put it to his mouth. And before he drink it, before he could receive it, so when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, he said, what? You know what the word finish means? Tetelestai. You know what that word Tetelestai means? Fully paid. Paid in full. Check Rashashi, sign Jeshi, he'll paint. He dies. Paid in full. Done. That is what the redemption price he gave us. What did he do? He paid for every sin that you committed. What does it mean? Turn with me to Colossians now, chapter 2. Verse 14 onwards. 14. Huh. Let me explain this to you. Having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us. Let me explain this to you. For example, let us say, Dr. Richard here and me. I went to Dr. Richard and I said, Dr. Richard, I need 1 lakh rupees as loan. He says, okay, uh, when are you going to return? Today is 24th April, uh, 2020. By 24th April, 2000, 24th April, 2021, I'll return. Okay. 
uh, he he's he's my brother so he will not ask uh, tax returns and uh, monthly income nothing he will ask he will only say okay let us do one thing uh, by 24th uh, 23rd night huh? that is the last day by 24th next year you should 24th night 201159 24th night 2021 you should return the money okay and he knows my income also okay somebody told him Okay, but he also knows that he's not not able to, he's not going to be able to pay. But anyways, he says, okay, let me let us make an agreement, let us sign. So he signed the agreement. Signed, sealed, he gives me one lakh. So he calls me on March first. Okay, or maybe March thirty first. I don't know. Maybe financially ending, no, uh, brother Vijay. Uh, March thirty first. Uh, remember, twenty four days to go. You have to return my money. Okay, okay. I say, okay, okay, okay. All right. Okay, okay. okay. Then 24th comes. He very well knows that he can't return. That I can't return. He comes and says, okay, Pastor Vijay or Brother Vijay, I know that you you are not able to return. We'll do one thing. Next year you have to return. Okay? But we have to renew the covenant again. Okay? Let us sign the contract so that you will not take it seriously. I mean, otherwise you will not take it seriously. I said, okay, okay, doctor. Next year by this time. Again, next year comes. I'm not able to. Next year comes. I'm not able to. do. That's exactly what the high priest did. Every year on the day of atonement, he would go. Okay. What would he do? He would renew. I will pay. I will pay. Okay, God. I will pay next year. Next year, I will pay God. Yom Kippur on the day of uh, atonement, I will pay next year, Lord. I am going to renew this. Comes out. But his conscience is perched? No. Next year, he goes again. 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 There is a handwriting of law against him. Okay. All these laws he broke. So he's only renewing it, but it's not happening. He's not paying it, paying it, paying it. So the handwriting is there against him. So all these things you have done. Next year, by next year, Lord, I will pay it. No, 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 it's not happening. And one day Jesus came. (laughs) Okay. What are the sins that you committed, Ray? What is the payment that is required? So, Lord, I did this sin, 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 all the sins. This is a, this is a required, these are the sins that I committed. And this is much I have to pay. How much you have to pay? Infinite rupees. Aha. Uh-huh. And you thought that you'll be able to pay it, huh? Okay, I'll do one thing. I'll pay. Finished, paid. And then you know what he does? You have a, it's like a record. In in the, the Greek courts those days. So the record says, paid in full stamp. Now when you are going out, you have been released from prison. You cannot be charged with the same crime again. You know why? Because it's already been paid. But one thing you should do. Keep that certificate with you all the time. Otherwise, the police will look, hey, 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 thief, 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 thief. No, no, no. Paid in full, please. Paid in full. Paid in full. Uh, you will go to the supermarket. Hey, 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 thief, thief. Paid in full. Certificate. Paid in full. Okay. Paid in full. Certificate. How did he do it? He nailed it to the cross and he took it out of the way. <laughs> And then because of that, what did he do? He disarmed the principalities. Okay. 
That is what we call as totally finished. Paid in full. Tetalus by payment made. So what are you? You can walk free. You can walk free. You have, rede- you have been redeemed. How? With great judgments. The judgment of God fell upon him. And with an outstretched arm. Did he not? <laughs> Die with an outstretched arm. That is our ultimate Bahubali Baba. And you know what he did? He gave you a certificate. Full payment made. So every time the devil tries to know what? Bring accusation against you. Hey, 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 come here, come here, come here. How much money? Infinite money paid. Shut your mouth and go. You can only roar. But you can't make me scared. Remembers again, Pilgrim's Progress. Christian has has now that certificate in his hand. So he goes to a mountain and he finds a place called uh, some some I don't know if I forget the place and he falls asleep. Uh, enchantment, okay, a place of enchantment, and he falls asleep. And even even as he's asleep, what happens is that from his hand that certificate falls off. And suddenly he gets up and he says, "Oh my goodness, I've been here for a long time." So he walks now. He's walking down, and he forgets to pick up that certificate. And then he's walking, walking, walking and two people are running back. And, and he looks at them. I forget those characters' name. And he says, who are you? What happened? Oh, there's a lion. There's a lion. There's a lion. Run for your life. Run for your life. And he's suddenly scared. And he, the moment he's scared, he says, oh my goodness, why am I scared? And he looks at his hand. He looks at his pocket. Oh, I forgot. I forgot and I lost my certificate somewhere. So he goes back takes a certificate and he begins to walk and then he begins to hear the roaring of the lion but he still gathers a little bit of you know strength because the certificate is in his hand he keeps moving and suddenly hears a voice from the other side hey don't worry they're chained they can only roar they can't bite he takes the certificate he can slow and nicely walks past them there, grow, roaring, 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 but not even a single minute he's scared. The enemy can bring any kind of an accusation. He can only roar. Show him the certificate. He will shut his mouth. They overcame him by the word of blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives even after that. Forget about that fellow. Don't worry. Okay. Understand this. He paid it in full. But only one thing. Ensure that you have the certificate of assurance all the time. Meaning, keep short accounts with God. Whenever you sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us. You know why? Because on the cross, He was just and He also was the justifier of those who put their faith on Jesus Christ. Never lose that certificate. Paid in full. I cannot be tried for that crime again. Every accusation of the enemy should stop in the name of Jesus. That is the reason why in Zechariah chapter 3, you know what the Lord says, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Is this not the brand plucked out of the flame? And Joshua's clothed in filthy garments. Take away those filthy garments nonsense. You know what Zechariah says, Lord, 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 Lord. 
put a mitre on his head. He is holiness to the Lord. He is set apart for you now. And no weapon formed against him will prosper. Every lying tongue that is going to rage against him, you shall condemn it because our vindication, our righteousness is from God. He has given you the certificate. Why? Outstretched arm and great judgments. He was just when he ju- judged Jesus on the cross. And because he was just, he can also be the justifier of you if you put your faith and your trust in him. Amen? All right. So we looked at three things. What are those three things, Baba? First, let's go back. I will bring you out from under bond, from the, under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. And fourth, they will be my people. You know, it's very simple, no? I, Vijay, take you, Jasat, to be my wedded wife. That's what it means, my people. I, Isaac, take thee, Rebecca. That's what Rabbi Zacharias wrote a book, beautiful book. I, Isaac, take thee, Rebecca. I betrothed you to myself. Therefore, therefore, I am jealous over you with godly jealousy because I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste version to Christ. And therefore, because he has betrothed you, what will he do? He will wash you by the washing of water, by the word. Every day of your life, he will confront you with his word. And he will expose the dust in you and the dirt in you and the spots in you and the wrinkles in you. And he will cleanse you. And he will sanctify you. And he will slowly set you apart more and more and more. Sanctify them by your truth. For your word is truth. That is the reason why, let's see, Deuteronomy chapter 4 now. Look at this beautiful verse. 4 verse 5 onwards, sorry. 4 verse 5 onwards. Okay. Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments just as the Lord my God commanded me. That you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Therefore, be careful to observe them. For this is your wisdom, your understanding in the sight of all people. So when you do all this, people, you know what's your, what you're saying? When you're doing all these judgments and your statutes and all these ordinances, you know what you're saying? You're saying, I am, I belong to God. I belong to him. I, he says, he's mine. That is the reason why First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23, if I'm right. Yeah. You were bought with a price. <laughs> Do not be slaves of men means men's opinions. Most of the time. I don't know what will this. One of the biggest block for all of us in our walk with the Lord is the opinion of men. It's the opinion. That is the reason why confess your faults one to another. Have those people close to your life whom you can trust. And open up yourself to them so that you can die to the opinion of men. Okay. Right? What should I, why should I fear? What, what can man do to me? Right? That's for some, I forget the psalm. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my right hand. Whom shall I be afraid? What? Psalm 27. 
it's okay, no problem. Hmm? Verse 7 of uh, Deuteronomy. Verse 6 and 7 actually, 6 and 7. Hmm? Therefore be careful to observe, for this is your wisdom and your, and, and your understanding in the sight of all the peoples whom who will hear all these statutes and say, surely this nation is a great and an understanding and a wise people. For what great nation is there that has got so near to it as the Lord our God is to us for whatever reason we may call upon him. We become his people, his peculiar treasure. That is the fourth one. Now what is the fifth one? I will, you will be my people, then I will be them, or I, you will be your, I will be your God, okay? See, let me tell you something. If we forsake God, we'll go after gods. Ah! If we forsake God, we'll go after gods. In other words, if we don't find our total sustenance in God, we will try to find sustenance in so many other gods. In other words, if we don't have a whole single-hearted, single-minded, whole-hearted devotion to God, we will be fragmented into millions of parts into other gods. Let me prove this to you from scripture. Judges chapter 2. Verse 12 and 13. Hmm, I love this. Okay, um, And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt and they followed other gods. <laughs> you see, one God cannot satisfy anymore. From among the gods of the people who were all around them. What shall you eat? What shall you drink? What shall you wear? If you have all three, what all should you wear? Some people will say, what shall, like Pastor Sam said, what should I wear? Because I don't have clothes. Some people will open their wardrobe and say, which one should I wear? You see people, why they go on a shopping spree? Why do they have all these habits? Why do they become shopaholics? Or workaholics? Or alcoholics? You know why? Because they are trying to find their fullness and completion in something other than God. You see something? The moment you start knowing God, you, you will realize that you don't need anything. You will, you will, world goods, you will just, ha- you will handle them loosely. You know, I was listening to David Wilkerson. He said, he says, he made a very powerful statement. He says, you see how least, imp- least important worldly riches are to God? He says, you see how least important riches are to God that he allows the wicked to have the maximum of them? Now, if you are a wicked person and if God is good, he has to bless the wicked, right? He he cannot bless the wicked, right? He has to, he, he cannot show favor to the wicked. If you are a person who is enjoying the favor of God and if you only can look at it in terms of worldly blessings, are not the wicked more favorable than you? God shows, he has disdain for these things of the world because he allows the wicked to have the more of it, the maximum the wicked enjoy. That much, that's how much he values it. If you being evil fathers, he says, can give good gifts to your children, how much more your father will give you? The Holy Spirit, that is the rich Baba. 
That is the riches. He who has the son has life. Remember that, uh, that, uh, that example of that man who had this, who had his only son and who passed away and he was also, he also passed away and then he put his entire, uh, home on auction. Okay? So people would come and they would, uh, uh, see, okay, all kinds of valuable, valuable stuff there uh, in the home. Okay? So people have come to, you know, help themselves in the auction. There is only one condition. There is a small picture over there. Okay. That has to be auctioned first. That was a picture of his son. People looked at it and said, okay, well, let, let us see who else, who comes and takes that thing and goes. So there was one, one uh, helper in the home. Okay. He came and he says, okay, I love my master and I love his son. How much are you auctioning that for? Uh, it's actually one dollar. Okay. I can have one dollar. Take this one dollar. And he gave, takes the takes the portrait and he's walking out and immediately the auctioner says, auction is over. That guy who took the portrait of the son gets the entire property. He who has a son has everything. <laughs> That's what he says. If God did not spare his own son and gave him up for us all, why will he not? Uh-uh-uh-uh. Uh-uh-uh-uh. You've been reading, uh, studying that. Huh? With him, why will he not? With him, freely give us all things. With him, you have to get him, and then all things will come. See, if you don't have God as your God, you will be following other gods. So, what did they do? Verse thirteen, they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtoreths. Okay, that's that stop there. Let's see another place. Judges 3 7. I like that. This also is very interesting. So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served Baals. You know, the word is Balim. And Balim, that word is Balim. Balim, Balim means for plural of Baal. Okay. By the way, the word Baal means master. You don't have one master anymore. You have masters and Asherahs. That is the reason why people are split. Split. A double-minded dip psychos. Not, not, not only double-minded, they're, they're broken into 2,500 fragments these days. Hmm? They're serving so many masters. Hmm? Let's move on. And uh, another place maybe. Judges chapter 10 verse 6. What it says? What it says is interesting. <laughs> the, still, the children of Israel did. Okay, sorry. Judges chapter ten verse six. Hmm? The children of Israel uh, again did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths. You see, it's getting worse now. First, they served Baal and Ashtoreths. Then it's uh, they served Baals and Ashtoreths. Now it's getting worse. By the time they come to chapter ten verse six, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. They served Baals and Ashtoreths, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of people of Ammon, the gods of the Philistines, and they forsook the Lord and did not serve. You see, the moment you leave God, you will be split. Your boss will call you. Your wife will call you. Your children will be grabbing for your attention. Your bank will call you for EMIs. Your church will be calling for your tithes. I don't know. <laughs> In so many, so many places it happens. 
Oh, you didn't give your tithes. God is going to curse you. Are you? You don't serve God. You'll be split into gods. That's exactly what happened to Solomon. He wrote Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes may he said, "Okay, I will enjoy myself with mirth first. That means what? Entertainment, Netflix, Amazon, Brahmanandam." <laughs> And what happened? He didn't didn't, uh, satisfy him. He said vanity, air, gali. Grasping after the wind, he says. Then he said, okay, I will help myself with madness. What is that? Madness. He became mad also. He did all kinds of mad, mad things. Tikka tikka panjishin matam. Tikka kuna lekajishin basically. Okay. He did a lot of tikka tikka. And then, did not satisfy him. Then he said, okay, fine, I'll enjoy myself with pleasure. Wine. I will become a researcher in being a dipsomaniac. So he became a dipsomaniac and he did research. What did he do? Even while drinking his wine, his mind was steady. Steady. <laughs> and he wrote down the experiences of how, what it is to drink wine. That's what, that's the reason why Isaiah will say, Woe to you, those who mix strong drinks. Go to bartenders, what do they do? What do you want, sir? Cocktail. <laughs> no, we don't drink cocktails, we drink mocktail. <laughs> okay. And then, what, what else? Okay, that also is not satisfying. Then what do you say? Women. Women? 700 women, 300 concubines. Can you imagine? One circuit, four years. <laughs> Think about it, no? At least four years, one circuit. Thousand, re? So one year, only 365 days are there. Okay, you just imagine. One circuit, thousand. Not satisfied. Then wisdom. That means he said, okay, let me go to MIT. Or Harvard. Get me a PhD. He got PhDs left, right and center. He says that he was so wise that his peers... He was wiser than this fellow, wiser than that fellow, from the men of the east, from the men of the east, the most intelligent fellow on planet earth. What did he say? Grasping of the wind. He forgot God, he split into millions of gods. What he did in First Kings chapter 4, sorry, chapter 11 verse 4 onwards, is just an outward thing was, was of what was happening internally. Look at what it says in First Kings chapter 11 verse 4 onwards. For it was so, when Solomon was old, that his wife turned his heart. You see that? Everybody. Turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. Ultimately, you know, see the comparison, the ultimate comparison is David. For us also. For us also in the new covenant. How many of us have written songs, songs like David? Every time on one occasion he will write one psalm. Hey, please compose it, Asaf. Okay, I'll also tell you the tune. It's on C scale. Okay, this is on minor. So don't just sing anything else. This is on a minor scale. If you sing it on a minor scale and have these pauses, it'll be good. Otherwise, there's no anointing. Can you imagine this guy? I think Asaf learned his skills from David. I'm sure. The first, after he appoints Asaf as the worship leader of the tabernacle of David, the first thing he composes a song and gives him in First Chronicles chapter 16, if you, do, if you don't have to turn this, 16 or 17, where he says, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Etc, etc, etc. 
It's amazing. That guy, he just writes songs left, right and center. So the comparison is what? His father David. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of Sidonians, after Milcom, the goddess of the, the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord. You see that? Fully. You see that heart is getting divided. He's not fully following the Lord. As did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, the, the hill, uh, and on the hill in the east of Jerusalem. And for Molech, oh, that is unbelievable, isn't it? What did God said? Never pass your children through Molech. He started it in Judah. The abomination of the people of Amnon, Ammon, he, and he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel who prepared him, who appeared to him how many times? Twice. And then, and what did he do? And he commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. Because you have done this, I will tear your kingdom away. The split happened because of this great man. Because he had a split heart. So, if you don't have God, you will be split into. So, what should your prayer be? 8611. The moment I say 8611, you should go to Psalm 8611. There are no other books in the Bible which have 86 chapters. Nonsense. Come on. <laughs> 8611. Read from verse, actually... Uh, verse 8 onwards. 8 onwards, okay. Among the gods there is none like you. Amen. Oh Lord, nor are there any works like your works. Some people worship the work of their own hands. Oh, look at this PhD I accomplished, Rebaba. And the PhDs I have under me. Works of their own hands. They are all sitting in their homes. I don't know what they are doing. <laughs> and verse 9 all nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you O Lord and shall glorify your name and then for you are great and do wondrous things they say that everybody you alone are God and therefore teach me your way O Lord and I will walk in your truth unite my heart to fear your name so what should I do in order to walk in his truth I should be taught Mm. See, teaching comes uh, comes back everywhere. I should be taught. Unite my heart. It's fragmented. That is the reason why Lepol Kronecker, you know what he said? God made integers. Everything else is a work of man. Integers, integers, whole numbers. Integer, from which we get the word integrity. Integrity means whole. God made it. Lepal Kronika, the famous Jewish mathematician from Germany. God made integers. Everything else is a work of man. Fractions, uh, real numbers. Uh, uh, fractions we only make and make. Because we think half plus half is equal to one. Hmm? But Atlantic Papal, God's condom would cover one. You understand these things? Okay. We are the people who divide. We have to divide the word of truth. Not add to it or subtract to it. So that we will be made. <laughs> whole. We divide ourselves and make the <laughs> I don't know what we do with the world. Unite my heart to fear your name. Make me an integer. Job 1. 
verse 9. NASB please, if you don't mind. Onwards. Hmm. Satan, Job 2 verse 9, sorry, 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 sorry. Sorry, 2 verse 9 onwards, okay. His, then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast your ah, integrity, you integer? She said to him. So integer was almost a curse word those days. <laughs> you mathematician, you are able to multiply all these days, uh, your wealth. Okay, whatever. I don't know. I'm just reading into the text, okay? Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and you know what God, what did he said? You are speaking as of one of foolish woman speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from, you know what he's saying? This is not my God. My children are not my God. My wealth is not my God. Neither are you my God, you my wife. My God is God. I am not split. I have only one God. And whatever comes from his hand, whether good or bad, I accept because he is always Amen. He is always good. Okay. In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Therefore, James chapter 4, verse 8. Draw near to God <laughs> and he will uh, draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. Meaning what? Make your heart one, you double-minded. Because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways and he will receive nothing from God. Forget about it. Unless until you have a wholehearted devotion. That is the reason why the question he asked the guy who's at the pool at Bethesda. He says, do you want to be made whole? Whole, whole, whole. And then when he finds him in temple, see you have been made whole. Don't get fragmented again by committing sin. Otherwise something worse will happen to you. Okay. Now let's look at five things. Now let's look at six and seven. In one shot. Hmm? Six and seven in one shot. Let's go back to Exodus chapter six. Can I take another ten minutes if you don't mind? No problem. No. Anyways, free is there. On an average, yesterday I spoke less. Today I'll speak more. On average, you'll be fine. Okay. We have to. The law of averages has to catch up with us. Okay. All the time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're all laughing at me. See, it's like this. Tendul karna. His average is fifty. He was duck out here, duck out there. Okay. That means that hundred is coming. <laughs> 100 is coming, Baba, because the law of averages will catch up. Okay. 100 is coming. Duck out here, duck out there. 100 is coming. Okay. Because his average has to catch up with him. Otherwise, his average will go. Anyways, you're all laughing. Very nice. Let us go back to verse 7. Okay. I will take you as my people, etc. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Look at this. Who brings you out? He didn't say brought you out. Every other translation, you will use the word what? Brought you out. As if it is one act. No, it's a continuous process in life. To be brought out of the thought process of Egypt is a continuous process. And then next word. And I will bring you in. I will bring you out. And I will bring you in. A lot of people will be brought out and be stuck in the wilderness. Don't get stuck in the wilderness. Bring you out so that I may bring you in. In other words, I will bring you into the land 
that I swore to give you as an heritage. I will remove every obstacle on the path. And the only obstacle will be you. Huh? And you are what? Unbelief. The only obstacle between you and the promised land will be your unbelief. I will bring you out and I will bring you in. You will experience continuous deliverance. And you will continuously experience the life of Christ inside of you. Why? Because we have been given exceedingly great and what promises? Precious promises so that by them we may be made partakers of his what? Divine nature and continuously what? Escape the corruption which is in the world through lust. You will experience both. Simultaneously. Six and seven happen both. Simultaneously. I will bring you out and I will bring you in. What stands between you is the Amalekites, Sihon and Og. Amalekites, of course, and your own sin. Amalekites is your flesh. Cut off your flesh. What is Sihon? The king of the Amorites. You know what Amori means? Slanderous spirit. The slanderers. The gossipers. Let's skip that. And what is Og, king of Bashan? Og is that stiff-necked, rebellious attitude. All these three things. I will remove and I will bring you. No obstacles will be there between you and the promised land. If you turn with me to 136 Psalm and read from verse 17 to 22. And there's one thing, one thing why this happens. Okay, Go back to NKJV. Okay? NKJV. Hmm? 136. Verses 17 onwards. Or you can put actually, uh, ah, it's okay. He who struck down great kings for his mercy endures forever. That is what is, you know what the word mercy? Loving kindness it says in some translations. Uh, loving kindness and says tender mercies it says some other translations. The Hebrew word is chesed. You know what chesed means? Not just mercy, covenantal mercy. My covenant endured for all generations. Behold, goodness and mercy. Tov and chesed, the word. Akhtov and chesed, irdafuni. Kol Okay. Chesed means the covenantal love. That will follow me all the days of my life. His mercy endures forever. What kind of a mercy is that, Papa? Infinite mercy. That's what infinite payment he made. No. Okay. He has got infinite. And therefore his mercies are new every morning. Okay, that is the reason why he says, because of your mercies, you're not consumed. Your steadfast love and your mercies are new every morning. He who struck great kings for his mercy endures forever. He slew famous kings. Why? Because his mercy endures forever. If you have been a, pup, a guy who is recipient of God's covenantal love, you will overcome every obstacle to the promised land in your life. You will not have any obstructions, no flesh, no slander, no power of darkness, no rebellion. You will break it and you get it enter into the promised land. Og, the king of, king, Sihon, king of the Amorites. Og, the king of Bashan, for his mercy endures forever. And next verse 22. And he gave their land as a heritage. He removed every obstacle on the way and he gave their land as a heritage. Why? Because his mercy endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant, for his mercy endures forever. What heritage do we have? The life of Christ. The life of Christ. And what is standing between you and the life of Christ? Your flesh. 
your slanderous spirit, your gossiping tongue and your stiff neck. Og means long neck. You have to be cut off, Baba. Cut off. Bashan. Strong bulls of Bashan have surrounded me. That rebellious spirit of Bashan. It's a bull. It's a rebellious, stubborn spirit. That is the reason why it says stubbornness as iniquity as idolatry. Break it. And then you will enter into the promised land. So seven things we saw. What a tremendous message, no? This is what the Lord wants to do in your life. What do the Israelites say? Let's go to Exodus chapter 6 now <laughs> and see their response. Verse 8. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel but they did not heed Moses because of the anguish of spirit. You know what? Before you appropriate this message, you have to take care of the anguish of the spirit. What is the word of anguish of spirit means? Yesterday we looked at the taskmaster spirit. Today we look at the anguish of spirit. The word anguish comes from the Hebrew word which means to fall short because of impatience. The word anguish means also that you have sown so much in the flesh and you are exasperated because of the harvest of the flesh in your life. And you've lost all hope. Reaping. That's what you're reaping. You're saying, oh, so much I've sowed in my flesh all my life. Is there any hope for me? You know what the Lord says to you? Oh, how many of us have sowed in the flesh? What do you think, Sam? If you have to look, if you have to be honest with each other and look at each other's eyes, we have soared so much in the flesh, haven't we? Have we lost, have we not lost so many years? Oh yeah. So many years on stupid nonsense pursuits in our lives. You know what the Lord says? Joel chapter 2 verse 25. Onwards. We love this now. You can appropriate this promise today. Because ev- because through him he has given us what? Exceedingly great and precious promises. This is our promise in Christ Jesus. So I will restore to you. The ears, the, the swarming locusts have eaten. The crawling, the crawling locusts. The swarming locusts, the crawling locusts, the consuming locusts. That are the different, and the chewing locusts. That's a different study altogether, okay? There are three, four locusts over here. The swarming locusts, the crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, the chewing locusts. Which is destroying. It has consumed all your energies. Now you don't have any energies to give to God. You know what God says? I will restore them to you. Next verse. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall. What? What does he say? My people shall never be put to shame. And verse 27. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord. Your God. And there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. Believe that, my dear brothers and sisters. Believe that. Believe that. All the years that the locusts have eaten, the Lord will give give back to you. Believe that. And begin. So let not the anguish of spirit stop you from inheriting the promised land. Second, it's impatience with God. Anguish means cut short. 11.23. Numbers. And the Lord said to Moses, has the Lord's arm been 
Shorten? No. Is he so, too short that he cannot save you from the worst kind of sin that you're that you're experiencing in your in your life? The worst bondage. Is he too short? I mean, think about the sin that you have struggled with so many years. Has he not brought you out of it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Just believe in him. Don't short shorten it. That is the reason why in Hebrews chapter twelve, verse fourteen, will say. What does it say? Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And then, verse 15, looking carefully lest any one of you, what? Fall short of the grace of God. How does it fall short? By any root of bitterness springing up causes you trouble and by this many be defiled. Don't fall short. Don't fall short of because of impatience. Exactly the next example he uses is what? Esau. Look at the next verse. Esau. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for a morsel of bread sold his birthright, but for you know that afterward when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected because he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently. Meaning what? Don't think that you can arrive at all these things in shortcut. You There will be a process. Be don't be impatient. Don't let the anguish of the spirit. How long shall I wait, Lord? He's, he will come through. He is not a man that he should lie. He is working on us. He is more interested in our character than our personal physical deliverance. Okay. So don't let the anguish of the spirit stop you from inheriting the promises. Amen. He will bring us out and he also will bring us in. And you know what he will do? In the, in the process, he will remove every obstacle. Therefore, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. That's it. Onwards. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering into his list, let us fear. Lest any one of you seem to have what? Come short of it. Don't, don't become impatient and say, okay, this is useless. I will not. Uh, you know, impatience is such a very important. The last minute work of radiation, you know, Saul, immediately he offered a sacrifice. The moment he offered a sacrifice, Saul came, Samuel came. That was his test. Impatience. Don't become impatient. Don't shorten God's hand because of your unbelief and don't create something in the flesh like Abraham did. He waited for 10 years. You know what he did? What he did? He became impatient and he shortened God's hand and then he created an Ishmael. Boy, we don't want those things to happen in our lives. Okay? Normal people learn from their mistakes. Fools don't even learn from their mistakes. Wise people learn from the examples in the Bible for all these things have been written for our learning upon whom the ends of the world has come. Therefore, can we pray this morning? Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We worship you. You are a good God. Your mercy endures forever. Enable us to continuously be in your presence this com- these coming days. You are a God who made a covenant. Not the old covenant, a new covenant. Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. 
and the blood of sprinkling which speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Your blood speaks a better word. And all the empty claims made upon this earth speaks righteousness for me, stands in my defense. Jesus, it's your blood. And this morning, I pray, Father, for all of my brothers, whoever is there who's struggling with issues and who are struggling with the anguish of spirit. I come against that spirit in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Father, that we will not give up. We will press on. We will press on. We will hold fast to that which Christ Jesus has held on to us. He who called us is faithful. And he also will perform it. And so we believe. And so we speak. We thank you. We praise you. For in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen.